0: Well, church, good morning. You all right? Happy Sundays. rogue up this morning, 38. Aren't you glad that winter has broken the back of summer? <laughs> ah, Praise the Lord for seasons. You get, I, I was at Starbucks the other day, and I, I made that joke to somebody in the Starbucks window, and he said, yeah, Charleston is great like that, because all of our days of winter are non-consecutive. I thought, that is right. They're all not, they never string together. You know, this week, it'll be 89. Uh, So, welcome back to summer and, and the end of the day. All right. Well, hey, uh, good morning to you. Hey, if you're new to Citadel Square, welcome. We would love to connect with you. Uh, you can find out more about our church at CitadelSquare.com. Finding out uh, things that are happening in the life of our church, you can check out the bulletin there that has uh, opportunities for you to serve. And uh, let me just draw your attention to a couple things. One big thing here that, uh, that's happening today, right after the service, is the college lunch. So if you're a college student or you want to eat like a college student, we've got an opportunity for you uh, right after the service. Number two is. We- we have church-wide prayer happening uh, this evening, so come on out for that. Join us at 6 p.m. out uh, down and around in the chapel, and we'll be we'll spend some time praying, uh, asking God for his grace upon our church and for you as we spend time praying uh, for the, all of the members of our church and uh, ministry and all sorts of stuff that we just seek God's face for. All right, so just draw your attention to a couple of those things. Today, we've got a special treat for you. We have Dr. Ed Welch who's going to come and preach for us. Uh, who will be here. Let me tell you about Ed Welch. If you don't know who he is, uh, he has a Master's of Divinity and a PhD. uh, So he's way smarter than me. So be encouraged with that. He'll be uh, coming and sharing uh, with us from God's word. Uh, He is a faculty member at the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation in uh, Philadelphia. He earned a PhD in Counseling from the University of Utah and has a Master's of Divinity from Biblical Theological Seminary. He's been counseling for over 30 years. He's an author uh, of many articles and books, a couple of which uh, I've mentioned to you before. When people are big and God is small, Ed, that book just, it ruins me every time I read it. So thanks for that. Appreciate that. And then number, a number book called Side by Side that we have given out to our church for many of you who are group leaders to help us think about what it's like to walk with people in a biblical community. Uh, so, he has lots of other books that I could mention. He and his wife, Sherry, have been married for 41 years. They have two married daughters, eight grandchildren, and Ed enjoys spending time with his wife, extended family, and playing guitar. What kind of guitar do you play? All every kind. That's, that's the right answer. Anything that has strings. So, Ed, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to pray for you as we get ready to uh, hear from God and his word. Sherry, you get, re- get ready. Okay, we'll give you time. Talk amongst yourselves and make sure all of his, all of our technology works before we get started, all right? I said, sure. Uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, for these few minutes, as we come to your word, we pray for Ed, that his, uh, your word uh, would flow through him, that your spirit would give light to our eyes. We do pray uh, for what truths we see in the scriptures, that you would illuminate them to us. That we come as individuals who are limited and temporal, and you are a God of heaven and earth who is infinite and gracious and kind. And we ask for your grace upon these few minutes that we spend together looking into your word. Uh, Give uh, Ed the tongue of the wise as he speaks from your word, as he encourages here today. And may we be people who receive it with joy as coming from you for us Uh, to build us up, to encourage us in the faith, that we might be men and women who walk in your ways and uh, live lives that are pleasing in your sight. So bless our time, bless him, uh, and may your word go forth and accomplish the purposes for which you have designed it to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Steve. It is a privilege to be with you, Uh, and it's not that I
1: take everything egocentrically, but not only is it a privilege to worship with you and consider the topic this morning, But I got up this morning and I walked outside and it was 39 degrees and I thought I was in Philadelphia. I thought this was sort of our welcome weather to Charleston, so thank you very much for that as well. What I'd like to do with you this morning, you're in a series presently, and the question that comes up this morning is the question, what is the church? And We have the opportunity to consider that question and to to hopefully grow in being the church together. So think with me as you would, as you can, how would you answer that question, what is the church? We are people whose eyes have been opened to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then all kinds of things break out. We gather together, like today, but this isn't the only time we gather together we begin to naturally gather together. And as Acts 2 indicates, we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, knowing each other, loving each other well, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And Paul adds some more detail. As we gather together, we do this hard work of ministry. And part of that ministry, a very significant part of that ministry, is that we care for each other. We love each other. We bear each other's burdens. But here's the, here's the shocking thing about what the Spirit of God has done among us. If we were living in the Old Testament, we probably wouldn't be gathering quite like this, number one. Number two, it would be the priests, perhaps, and in a, and a and a sort of a roving anointed prophet who would speak to our souls. But, but now the Spirit has been given, and you are the pastors, of the souls of those around you. And your pastors here, they equip you for the work of ministry. So what we want to do this morning is we want to take small steps in being able to build up the church as we care for as we love each other, as we, as we bear burdens with, with each other. What a privilege and honor. What a shocking thing this is. One of the gifts of the Spirit, one of the manifestations of the Spirit to us. What we're going to do is we're going to look at Psalm 130, as we, as we just, just read. Psalm 130, Martin Luther called this a an intensely Pauline psalm. Now, obviously, Paul didn't write it. We don't know exactly who wrote it. But Christ is so evident in this particular psalm. Luther dubbed it as a Pauline psalm. as if the kind of thing Paul himself would would write to us. The psalm is going to draw us in and then it's going to lead us. It's going to lead our own hearts. It's going to pastor our own hearts. And then it's going to encourage us as we care for, for one another. The psalm... It breaks down very naturally into four different stanzas and that's the way we're going to approach it this morning. It begins by inviting all of us. Do you have trouble? Are there times when you feel undone? Are there times when you are utterly overwhelmed? That's all you need to enter in this particular Psalm. So if you're feeling quite confident in your world and and capable and everything's under control, uh, perhaps you can have the person next to you pray for you to see that your world indeed is much more out of control than you think. Most of us, we, we can enter into this particular psalm. So enter this psalm together. It goes like this. Out of the depths I cry to you. The depths are... The, the, the honest expression of a highly troubled soul. Now, the nice thing about this psalm is that it doesn't identify a particular trouble. That's why it invites us all in to make this our own psalm. Out of the depths I cry to you, O oh, you who keep promises, O oh, you who are the compassionate and merciful God. That's the word that's used here. Oh, Lord, oh, one I live before and, be- and live under, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And this entrance to the psalm, even though it invites us all, is one of the hardest things we could possibly do. For example, I, I struggled under panic attacks a few years ago. And there were little ones that sort of crept up to a, a big one, felt like this major earthquake. When the earthquake came, it happened in the middle of the night. I got up out of, out of bed and just sat in a dark living room for a number of hours. And, and I went through Scripture. I went through Philippians 4. Instead of being anxious, think about these things that are good and true and beautiful and right and noble. And I tried to think of those things. And I couldn't think of a one. But, but I was pleased the Spirit of God was working in my heart to direct me to Scripture. So Scripture didn't seem to help. It didn't seem to break through the panic attack, but, but it would seem like a good step. Well, the next day, I don't know how this came to my own soul, but it was essentially this. Why didn't you simply talk to the Lord? Why didn't you simply talk to him? Why didn't you simply say, Lord, I I feel like a big baby. I don't think I'm going to die, but I feel like I might. And and if I'm going to die, it seems like I should have some sort of immediate hope that I will see you face to face, but I would rather not die in this particular way. Help." Help, I feel undone, I am unraveled as a human being. Help, that's, how much easier could it be than that? The, 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 the voice of a child crying out to his father, and this indeed is one of the hardest things for us to do. Our instincts are when we are undone, we quickly try to manage our world. When we are undone, we, we are not accustomed. To speak in openly before God. And by the way, if we're open before the Lord, we're going to be open with each other. So this is a more difficult entrance to the way we care for each other than, than it might seem at first glance. How, how are you doing in being able to simply cry out to the Lord? Psalm 62, 8, pour out your heart to him. And it's one of the hardest things to do. And if you're a man, you're genetically predisposed to never doing such things. And it makes it even more difficult. Which is another way of saying, what does this look like? In us and in our body together? Well, it might look like this. For you to go to a friend of yours and say, would you pray for me? Because I am less skilled at crying out to the Lord than I once thought. And I am so reluctant to speak the things on my heart to any human being for the fear of being weak. What might this look like among us? For others, it's it's going to be hearing the invitation and saying, Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to speak from my heart to you. And who am I that you delight? Even though you know me through and through, who am, I to, who am I to have you delight in being able to hear my very words? And you respond with compassion. You are moved by the things that I say. And I may not see all the activity, but the wheels of the throne in heaven are in motion as a result of this, this meager plea. What does it look like as we gather together It it might look like you inviting the cries of a friend. How are you? What's been on your heart? What's been most important for you? I had a friend one time who came up to me before church. I want to know the best thing in your, your week, and I want to know the worst thing in your week. In other words, I want to rejoice with you and I want to know the things in your heart so I can pray for you and enter in with you. Now, by the way, do you see what happens with, with a simple comment like that? Do you see how the body of Christ, which is called the gathered together, comes just a little bit closer together? This is, this is Paul. This is the psalmist who's leading us in the way we speak to the Lord with each other and together. Hear the voice of my cry. This is what it looks like. What are the things that are most important to you? To draw out another person's heart and help them to speak openly before God and before you. Now, for many of us, that's, a, that's enough for Sunday. That is enough. To, be, to stop right there with these first two verses, this first stanza, and say, Jesus, help and then to, to ask brothers and sisters to pray for you, that you would grow essentially in the skill of being like a young child. Indeed, this, this seems to go a little bit through this Psalm, that when we grow up, we want to be like a child who, who knows our utter dependence on our Father and, and is not too proud to be able to speak to Him from our heart. The psalm goes on. Here's the second stanza. In the midst of being overwhelmed, we need need something quick. There is an urgency to this plea. Lord, help us and help us now. So so our question is, we wonder what it is that the Lord is going to give to us as his people. And here's what he gives. If you, O Lord, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities. If you, O Lord, should count our sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Who is anticipating this? And, And this is where Martin Luther says it's a very Pauline psalm. This is the kind of thing Paul would do. Now, please recognize that the psalm is not suggesting that the troubles of your soul are a result of your own sin. What he's saying is this that when troubles are that dire, there is one thing that we need more than anything else. There is someone we need more than anything else, and it is God with us. That is the greatest need that we have in the midst of our miseries. And the only thing that can separate us from our God is not our abject pain. Is, is, is not the physical pain we might have, the pain from the past we might have, the broken relationships that we're presently experiencing, as, as much as the Lord gives his compassion to you for such things, there is indeed a deeper trouble in life, and it is unforgiven sin that, that separates us from God. But here's what scripture says. And this is is Paul's version of, of this stanza. If God is with us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, once and for all, how will he not also with Jesus graciously give us all things? Christ Jesus is the one who died for sins. So you don't. Christ Jesus is the one who died for sins. And as you trust him, indeed, you are the one who will never, ever be separated from the very presence of of God. He died for sins. More than that, he was raised, and he's at the right hand of God, and he is right now praying for you. Your name is on his heart. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from Christ himself? Paul goes on and says, there is nothing... In all of creation, there's no, there are no spiritual beings. There's nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of Christ because your sins have been forgiven. Now, perhaps we, so I guess the question again is, is, is now what does it look like in our own hearts and in our, in our church as we, we care for one another? All of these, all of these stanzas are, are not necessarily natural to us. They are spiritually informed. For example, if, if you think you are a pretty decent person and, and every, every year or two you confess sins, then this particular passage is not going to be enough for you to be able to begin to cut through the pain and the trouble of life. It's, you can see the benefit of what does this look like? It looks like the Lord's Prayer. It looks like daily confession of sin, which, which leads to a kind of practiced thankfulness that you have been already fully forgiven in Jesus Christ. For you to rejoice in such thing, for you to recognize the presence of Christ is grander than the immediate release of other pains in your life. So perhaps we might go to a friend and say, could you pray for me? Could you pray that Emmanuel, God with us because of what Christ has done, would be indeed the grandest thing in my life, and it would be grand enough to begin to counterbalance the pains of life so they become lighter? Could you pray for me that nothing would be more exquisite than the person of God? Of Jesus. Could you pray for me that, that that I would have a text something like this? I am continually with you. To hear the Lord speak this, this is from Psalm 73. In the midst of a very troubled world, he says, I am continually with you. I hold <laughs> you, you, you hold my right hand. What a dear picture. When you are with the right person who loves you, has compassion for you, and who is very, very strong, it's, it is enough. God with you. To pray, to know these things even more. To, to move toward those who are struggling. And to say, could I pray for you? Could I pray that your God would be the God of all comfort as you know that he is present with you. And then you remember, and you ask the next week, have you known any comfort from the presence of Jesus? No. There's only two ways to to answer that question. No, I have not. Would you continue to pray for me? Yes, I have. And here it is. Here's, Here's what the Lord has done. Can you see these very, very small steps? Private conversations, personal conversations with one other person. Can you see the body of Christ being built up and strengthened? It's in these very small steps that the Spirit does His powerful work within us. With you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you will never leave us. My wife and I were babysitting my grandchildren the other day, and as, as always happens, we put them to bed, and it seems like a long, extended process. We, we come back down, they're upstairs, we come back to the living room, and within, within five to seven minutes, Jack, eight-year-old, twin, he cries out, go, 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 go. That's Gogo over there. This is Gogo, uh, and now it does raise a question: Why doesn't he call for me? He only calls for Gogo. It, it's, but anyway, that's a different story. The, <laughs> the, the story is that it makes sense. This story makes sense to you, because here's a young boy, and in, in in his own way, he is undone. We don't know the details of being undone. We don't know the boogeymen that are coming in, the robbers who are lurking in the shadows. We don't know the details of what's happening in his imagination. But we do know he is undone, and we want to grow up to be a little child. When a little child is undone, what do they do? They call out, just like you see in this particular psalm, Lord, Jesus, help, Father, please, Daddy, come, please help me. And that's what Jack did. Go, go, please come up. And Gogo comes up and, and he says, could you stay here until I go to sleep? Could you go stay here until I go to sleep? Do you see it? Psalm 121. He is the God. When you sleep, he doesn't. So you don't have to worry about the robbers. <laughs> because if, if you fell asleep and he fell asleep at the same time, it could potentially be a perilous situation. But nothing can separate you from him so you can sleep, you can rest." This is, this is the way we build up each other. Could you pray for me, we could say. Could you pray that I would be a child who, who sees clearly and delights in the very presence of my Father? Would you pray that I would be able to see, I would have eyes to see that he is the one who is present with me, who actually holds my hand, who in the midday sun, his shade even, even covers me. That is how close he is. So I don't even need to call out to him because he is already with me. That's, that's what it looks like. And for some of us, this is the stanza which we need to rest in to know indeed that if he should mark iniquities, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you begin to have more control of our lives and control even, even into our very emotions than the world around us that seems so perilous. This is stanza two. Let me, let's go to the next stanza. The first one, we cry out to the Lord, The second one, surprisingly, we remember there's forgiveness of sins, therefore nothing, nothing can shake us because we have the one, the life, the resurrection and the life who is with us. The third stanza goes like this, now knowing that he is with me, I can wait. You recognize the call for endurance that goes through scripture. There is, a, there is a desire of the heart, of course, that in the midst of troubles, that somehow there would be this miraculous intrusion of the Spirit of God, and He would lift our troubles away. That is what we desire. I want to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you have had an experience like that? I... I haven't taken too much time to think about it, but right now, as I'm thinking about it, I cannot remember a time when I cried out for mercy and there was this immediate intrusion of the Spirit and my troubles were lifted. The the story of Scripture has a different pace to it. Indeed, there can be miracles and there can be those kinds of interventions, but the pace of Scripture is much more of a kind of a walking pace rather than a sprinting pace, where the Lord chooses to walk through us, with us, slowly. And we can understand why, because if indeed indeed something has been taken away from us immediately, then there would be no reason to depend on Jesus. There would be no reason to cry out to Him. And He is a God who delights in us speaking to Him. And isn't it true that in the midst of your most difficult times, those are the times you find yourself speaking to the Lord more than any other time. Do you recognize that the praiseworthy of such things? Do you recognize that those are the kinds of things that the Spirit leads us in that have eternal value, eternal weight? Next stanza goes like this I wait for the Lord. Since I know that He is with me, I can wait. I can wait for a long time, and I can wait with confidence. I can wait I can wait for a long time, and I can wait on the edge of my seat, no, you where know, it's still dark, but I know the sun is going to come up. That's the idea of this passage. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in His words, in, in His words, in, in the very things He says, these are, the, these are what I want to feed on. These are what I, I want to nourish my own soul. And in his word, I hope. Then there's this poetic device. Notice how this goes. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. And it repeats the same thing. In other words, I'm in it for the long haul. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the, long, for, the, for, for the morning. How are you doing as a, as a waiter in the midst of difficulties? What is it that this looks like? It looks like you asking for prayer from a brother, from a sister, and in recognizing this is the Spirit of God who has is, who is offered this, this particular path. And this is His will for you, that He gives you strength and power to wait. You ask for a friend of yours to pray that you, that this particular stanza would become your own, that that you indeed, this would be a time in your life when the Spirit of God gives you the strength to be able to wait. And by the way, you don't have to wait for the next year. You have to wait for the next minute. You have to endure for the next minute and then receive his grace for the minute after that. The minute after that. It's a, it's a very short-term endurance that is, that is re-upped with new grace over and over again. Now, by the way, imagine, imagine what it's like in the body of Christ when you hear one person who asks for prayer. Could you pray according to Psalm 130, in the third stanza that I would be able to endure in the midst of troubles, do you you see how in that simple request, do you see how the body of Christ is changed in some way? It's reshaped. It's brought together in different ways because the person who hears that request is is reminded of spiritual realities. The person who hears that request sees indeed this is what we need to pray for one another for. And and then the person who hears the request is honored that someone would have asked, shared their own heart, the gems of their own heart, the treasures of their own heart with with them, entrusted it to them. And then we have the privilege of being able to have that person on our heart and pray for them. And then we have the privilege of asking them that next week or the following weekend, and how, how is the waiting going if you notice places where you've been strengthened? And then we find ourselves asking the same question of another person. And by the way, would you pray for me? Do you see how we're, we're talking about very, very small steps that one other person might see? But this is the kind of way that God, through his spirit, chooses to build his people. We are talking about the church and how the church gathers together and cares for one another. And as we do, the the gathering is is even more unified and, and increasingly intimate, interdependent, we should say. Perhaps you might start small with this might go like this. How long, O Lord? This is from Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? That's a start. It's from Scripture. This is the Spirit himself saying, here's some word. You can't say, I wait. You can't say, I wait expectantly right now. Well, try this. How long will you forget me forever? You You are speaking to the Lord. And... And you're asking, Lord, teach me. Open my eyes so I, can, so I can see reality more clearly and I can not only have an increased confidence in you, but I can have courage. That's what you see in this particular stanza. I, in the midst of misery, the person is saying, I wait. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for him. What does this look like in our body? I have a friend who, who, uh, as I'm I'm thinking about this now, I, I plan to speak about this with him this coming week. I know that he lives in physical misery, but he's not the kind of person who speaks about it that often. If you ask him, he will tell you, but he lives with physical misery. One of the things you could do is ask somebody like my friend, and how is it that the Spirit gives you power to endure? How is it that the Spirit gives you power to wait? There, there are friends that you have here who are enduring, who have been given power to wait. You can learn from them. And not only can you learn from them, you can pray for them. You can, you can have the privilege of bearing some of that pain along with them as as you indeed pray, that the one who promises endurance will continue to give endurance. You can pray perhaps for this gift of faith to be able to see those spiritual realities. I've already given you one of those passages that that has, has impacted me. How can you see the powerful one who is close? The... The, the, the image that comes to my mind is that image from Psalm 121. Excuse me for talking about another grandchild, but I have I have six other grandchildren. I need to include in some of these stories. So, so so bear with me. Psalm 121. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, I'll have. Well, I, this was, I was going to tell the second story. So I have six after that. She was concerned that I was missing one of the grandchildren. I wasn't missing one of them. I was going to say, maybe that's why they call for Gogo rather than for me. (laughs) Lord, open her eyes. Open his eyes. If you're having trouble waiting, that's perhaps a question you can ask of a friend. Could you pray that the Lord would open my eyes and I can see him more vividly uh, and then I can wait with confidence? May I even suggest I wait with courage? Could you, could you pray that the Lord would give me a passage? And then could you imagine how this would go? You would be reading scripture that week and you would be considering maybe this passage, maybe this. Well, Psalm 21:21 in that passage of the shade is the one that has, has, has stuck with me for a while. I was at a soccer game watching some of the grandchildren. I don't know how many grandchildren, there were. two, five, I, I don't know, there are a bunch of grandchildren there. And, and the youngest one was, well, the sun was coming at us, it was hard to see the, the pitch, it was a soccer pitch. It was hard to see it because of the, the sun that was beaming right at us. And, and as you can probably tell, my skin is, is very white. I border on albino. And, and so as a result, I invest in really big hats. Uh, and so I had one of these big hats on. And I saw my granddaughter there. And I, I, I went over to her, and I picked her up, brought her to my chair. And I, I, I tucked her in as far as I could so I could so the brim of my hat went over her. And, and she intuitively knew exactly what I was doing. And so she was pleased to have it done. But what was striking to me was how close I needed to be to my granddaughter to be the shade over her eyes in the, in the noonday sun. What am I doing? I'm just, I'm just giving an illustration of, of closeness. And, and these are ways, these are small little steps that can move us into spiritual reality. And if you don't have those kinds of stories, pray that you would be able to have them. Ask somebody else to pray that you would be able to have them. Ask what their stories are that that, that grant them growing courage in the midst of, of difficulties. Here are three stanzas. Together we cry out to the Lord. Together we remember that He is the God who is indeed with us, and and how can that increasingly in our hearts be enough for us? And then, knowing that He is with us, we're ready to endure, we're we're ready to hunker down for the long haul as, as we know, we have courage that He will give us everything we need today and He'll give us everything again that we need for tomorrow. And then the psalm moves to one more stanza. The first stanza is this, this very private plea to the Lord. Help! Help! Out of the depths I cry to you. The, the last stanza is going to be a cry again, but it's going to be a very different kind of cry. The question that, that lies behind this stanza is, is what has Jesus done for you? The, the, the question will be, has he been faithful in the midst of these hardships? Has he given you endurance, perhaps, that you haven't even recognized? Has he been faithful? Well, talk about it. If he has been faithful, such news is never intended to be kept for your own personal pleasures and edification. It is for that indeed, but it's also intended to be spoken to the congregation so as we gather together, we gather together even tighter as a body that can care for each other. This is is the same person who who said, Out of the depths I cry to you. O Israel, O Israel. Now the person is speaking to the congregation. The person who, by the way, this does not mean that your your troubles are, are, are over. It doesn't mean that. There is no evidence from this psalm that the troubles you began with have now suddenly been lifted. The evidence instead is you are enduring by faith in the midst of them. In the midst of that, we say, oh Israel, hope in the Lord You say, I have found hope in the Lord. I have found strength and endurance in the midst of the Lord, and you can as well. With the Lord, there is steadfast love, faithful love, persistent love. With him is plentiful redemption. If you think for a moment that your sins or your particular sin is too much for him to love you, then you have another thing coming. Because once and for all in Christ, he has forgiven all of our sins. His love, his steadfast love, is utterly assured. And I am willing to argue this with you. That's what what the the person who is going through this is speaking to you, is speaking to us as as a people. With him is plentiful redemption, and he indeed will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And if he does that then we are sure of his strength and his presence. I was speaking to a woman who had gone through the, the darkest of victimization in her life. And, and one of the things she asked was, do you know if there's anybody in our church who's gone through these things? Do you know if there's anyone in the church who's gone through these things? Now, do, do, do you Here's somebody in the body of Christ asking for somebody to speak this stanza to her. Somebody who has gone through similar things and can say, oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. I have put my hope in the Lord, and this is how I've seen his steadfast love, and you will as well. She can can you direct me to one of those persons? Imagine, Imagine a body of Christ where... Where when you've seen God's faithfulness in the midst of your own misery, you say, by faith, I'm going to speak to one person about this. I'm going to speak of God's faithful to one person, one, God's faithfulness to one person. It seems like such a small little step, but it's in these small little steps that God strengthens us as a body. Anybody come to mind as is is a, is a voice, Oh Israel. Anybody come to mind? For example, here's here's a uh, here's one of the voices that I remember well. A dear friend of mine who died ten years ago. He he had a melanoma I noticed on his shoulder, and well, well I didn't notice the melanoma. He just had a scar in his shoulder. There had been a little surgical procedure that had taken that had taken something off and uh, the scar looked like it was, it was just not quite healing right, and it was, it was, just, it was just getting ugly over time. He, he went to a dermatologist and they cut things out, and the dermatologist did not give a whole lot of reason for hope after the procedure. But in that particular year, it was going to be another, another few days at least before he, he got the results back. The, the day he was going with his wife to get the results, I drove over to his house just to be there when he got back. When he, when he came in the door, it was obvious that he had just received a death sentence. The sentence, he didn't tell me at the time, but the, the sentence was that in less than a year, he would be dead, and he was. And this is what he said. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Here's a dear friend. He had a child in college. He had a child who was graduating from high school. He had a child who was in seventh grade and a child who was in fifth grade. Everything had changed. Absolutely everything has changed, had changed in his life. And his first words were, nothing has changed. And he clarified what he meant, not that it needed any clarification. What he meant was that that I have received the steadfast love of my God who is present with me. I received that earlier today before I received this diagnosis, and my God continues to be the steadfast God who forgives sins, uh, and nothing, nothing, melanoma, will not be able to separate us from him. It's, what is it? It's, You didn't hear this it was just it was just words spoken almost casually to me and what happens they they build up my own soul they 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 they, we enter into this particular psalm together and he says to me oh ed oh israel put your hope in the lord I can promise you, whatever you go through, his steadfast love will be with you and his strength will be with you and he will give you grace to bear under it at that particular moment and he will give you more grace the next day. This is, this is Psalm 30. It's the psalm of Jesus. It's the psalm of redemption. And the certain hope, the courage that we can have now knowing that our God is with us. It's a curious psalm indeed to to speak of when we're asking the question, what is the church? But the church is a group of people who gather together. And then when we're together, we we have been equipped by our pastors and, and by the Holy Spirit to be the ones who care for the souls of others. And we also anticipate others will care for our own souls. Let's do this before we leave. If, if, if you could put Psalm 130 uh, up for us, I, I know a lot of you have your Bibles, but, but let's read this together. You ready? Four stanzas. Oh Lord, Why don't you do that? Why don't you stand so you can you can speak this along with me? Okay. This is this is the word speaking on your behalf, calling you to enter in and giving you the privilege of being encouraged yourself, and then to speak and encourage the hearts of others. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice, let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. That would be enough right then, correct? That would be enough, but, but there's always more that the, that the Spirit gives us through the Word. And here are some of that more. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand, but with you? there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. This is part of what it means to grow as the body of Christ. Thank you, please be seated. You are a church, you, you belong to God, you gather together. Closer becomes increasingly natural for you. And then you consider, how do you speak from your heart to the Lord? How do you hear with compassion? How do you elicit and draw out the words of pain in brothers and sisters? How are you moved by compassion? How how do how do you follow their pleas to greater and greater depths? And then how together can we know the risen one who has forgiven us so nothing, nothing can separate us from his grace and his power? Then we can pray together that we would be able to, let's use that word courage, that we would be able to wait wait, with growing confidence and even courage, and even courage as as an expression of the glory of God in, in our local body. And then, as you see the work of the Spirit in your life, And the answer is part of the answers to prayer of other men and women who have been praying for you. Then you gotta say something about it. You speak it. Good things were never intended to be kept a secret. You speak it to another person. This is what the Lord has done. And you might find them saying the same thing. And here's what God has done for me. And the church that gathers together becomes closer and closer. You are a church and and the Spirit of God is drawing you closer to each other. Let me pray for you that as indeed you gather together, you would be able to care, pastor the souls of others as you have been pastored by the Spirit of God. Father, thank you for this this simple psalm. At any place we, we cry out for mercy cry out for your grace for, for more. I pray for this particular body. I pray as you have raised them up, and you have actually put them in a strategic place even in the city of Charlottesville, you, you would allow them in small ways to continue to grow in caring for each other in a way, in a way that somehow there is a light that goes out into the city and attracts those who also need to cry out to you. Father, I pray your blessings on them, your power on them as a people, even in the words they speak today. In the name of Christ, amen.